Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast. My name is Emma Mumford and I'm your host. I'm an award-winning blogger, YouTuber, life coach, badass entrepreneur, manifester, and author. My mission is to awaken and to inspire women to live their best lives now and to find their purpose in life. I do this through sharing the power of law of attraction and spirituality. I hope my podcast will inspire you to raise your game and to start living your best life today. Without further ado, let's get started with this week's episode. So thank you so much guys for joining me for another one of my Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast episodes. Thank you so much for being here once again today and I am super delighted to invite back on the podcast because she was with us two years ago. Who could believe two years has passed so quickly? We have the gorgeous Sahara Rose back with us today. So Sahara, if you don't know, is an ancient soul in a modern body. She has been called a leading voice for the millennial generation into the new paradigm shift by Deepak Chopra, who wrote the foreword of her books. She is the best-selling author of Eat, Feel, Fresh, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, A Yogic Path, and the upcoming Discover Your Dharma. She also hosts the Higher Self podcast, the number one spirituality podcast on iTunes with a whopping 25 million downloads. So thank you so much, Sahara, for joining us here again today. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be back here, and I can't believe it's already been two years. It has flown, hasn't it? So last time you were on, we were talking about Eat, Feel Fresh, and we were talking all about the wonderful Ayurvedic work that you do. Um, And now today we're talking about something a little bit different, although I'm sure to you it's not that much different, but I'm really intrigued to talk all things Dharma with you and your exciting new book, Discover Your Dharma, which is out now. So for anybody who hasn't listened to your original podcast, one question I always like to ask, first of all, to any guest is, when did you spiritually awaken what's your story Mm, yeah so for me it wasn't this one moment of time of awakening versus not it was more of like a gradual remembering of the truth of who I was and I would say probably the biggest the biggest cycle that this was happening was when I was around 21 years old I had been practicing yoga got into nutrition health etc but my own body started to deteriorate and that's when I discovered ayurveda and I became so passionate about wanting to share ayurveda because it had helped me so much that I wanted to write a blog post on it and eventually write a book on it and that's when my family people around me were like what? You want to have a career doing this? You're never going to make money. You're going to be a starving artist. You're never going to be successful doing this. Like, what are you talking about? This is something that you do as a hobby. It's not something that you can do as your full-time work. And it was a really tough time for me because as children, we grow up really wanting our parents' approval, you know, and then for the first time, I really did not have it. In fact, they called me selfish. They said that I was ruining their lives by me choosing my own path because they were so scared for me. They were so scared that I was taking a risk and going to essentially end up on the streets and in their eyes. My parents were immigrants to this country. So their life was really focused on survival. And these were the moments when I really began to question, do I have a purpose? Is this some like bullshit story they tell you as a kid, like Santa Claus and you grow up and then people just realize, oh no, you did not have a purpose. That was just some, some story we told you. Or 
was there something deeper for me out there? And I really went down trying to understand how, how someone can live their purpose and make a living doing so. And that brought me to study so many different types of systems from archetypal work to eventually going to Bali and seeing all these people living totally different lives. And every person I would meet, I'm like, do your parents know you're here? Like, are you able to support yourself? Like, I was so shocked because I had never seen anyone like a full-time tantric life coach or this or that. I was like, wait, what? You can just create your own reality and totally not play by the rules and have this incredibly fulfilling and enriching life. And those were the years that were by far the most difficult and most confusing, but really gave me the strength and the courage that I finally needed to say, you know what? If I don't give this a try, if I don't try to write my Ayurveda book and not make spirituality a hobby, but really my life's work, I'm forever going to live with this regret. So I'm just going to not only try to do it, I'm going to keep going for it until I figure something out. And that journey shaped me so much of a purpose as, as a person and led me to this concept of your dharma, your soul's purpose, the big reason why you are here. And then seeing how Ayurveda, which is the world's oldest health system is deeply interconnected with that. Amazing. I love this. And, you know, I I've seen a couple of, um, Instagram posts and stories about your journey with your parents. And like you say, really having to break past that and step into your true purpose, your true Dharma. And has it, has it been hard for you to kind of rewire those limiting beliefs, I guess, that were there from your parents and fears? Absolutely. I believe that each of us was born into the microcosm of the issue that we're here to here to solve. So your parents really gave you a first first row view of what it is that you're here to make a difference with. So my parents, it was really just focused on, you know, survival. We're here. Everything's great. Just like keep going. And there wasn't really any talk about definitely shadow work or spirituality or, or living a life of purpose. It was more so just be grateful that you're here. And it was tough for me because I thought, am I privilege to be asking these questions, to be thinking that I have a purpose? Is this a first world problem that I have? And, you know, oftentimes, especially kids whose parents dealt with immigration, poverty, addiction, any other issue, their parents never were asking these types of questions. So for them, it could feel, it could feel like they're privileged or wrong or selfish or out of touch for doing so. Whereas really the the reason why your parents went through those obstacles was so you could be at this place to reach for something greater. And I really think of the chakra system or Maslow's hierarchy when I, when I, I speak of this because at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy, which are the hierarchy of needs we, we need as an individual, it's, it's security. If we don't feel secure, if we don't feel safe, like in a lot of your work talking about money, if you, when you're, when you're super stressed out about money, you're not focused on how do I share my gifts and offer, offer my fullest expression with the planet. You're just focused on how am I going to survive? And then when you can get to a place that you feel safe and okay, I can survive. Then you say, well, what do I want? You know, maybe you want a bigger house. Maybe you want a car. Maybe you want crystals, whatever it is you want. And then from that place, you realize that even those wants aren't filling this greater void that's inside of you, that's self-actualization. It's to know the truth of who you are and why you're here. So even to be asking the question of what is my dharma, what is my soul's purpose, it does require a base foundation of grounding and support. But the whole point of having that grounding and support is so you could ask the most major question of your life, why am I here and how can I share my gifts? Mm. And I love how practical you make that as well, because I think it's just so easy for everybody to process that and understand Maslow's hierarchy of needs, as you say. So I love how you put that. So for anybody who is like, what is Dharma? And does everyone have Dharma in this lifetime? I'd love for you to share that. Mm, Yeah. So your Dharma is your soul's purpose. It's the big reason why you are here. It is your soul's fullest expression. It is your vibration. It is the unique frequency that only you can carry. So it's it's more like your mission statement. I'm here to raise consciousness. I'm here to bring beauty to this world. I'm here to connect people to their hearts, etc. Whereas your career jobs, roles, et cetera, would fall under the services, you know, of that. So 
your career would not be your dharma, but it may often be in alignment with your dharma. For example, let's say your dharma is to bring beauty to this world. You're an artist. Everything you do is going to have a beautiful touch to it. So you may for some years be a graphic designer. You may have been an event planner. You may have been an interior designer. You may have been a florist. So you may be kicking yourself saying, I must not have a purpose. I keep changing my mind. I keep doing all these different things when really all of these roles that you played were in alignment with your dharma of bringing beauty to this world. So your dharma is so much more than just one career, one role. It's not about just, you know, finding a job and and that's it. Because a lot of people who have very successful jobs still don't know their dharmas. So your dharma is your soul's frequency. It's what you're here to express. And I like to break it down into these nine dharma archetypes. So archetypal work has been so instrumental for me because it allowed me to see myself in something greater than me. I think oftentimes when we are looking for our dharma, we can't see in ourselves what others see in us. So for me, connecting to these nine dharma archetypes has been really, really instrumental. Have you have you taken my dharma archetype quiz? Do you know yours? I actually haven't yet, but that was my next question. What are the oh. dharma archetypes and how can we find out which one we are? Obviously, we're going to all go over and do your quiz. Yeah. So I have a quiz, dharmaarchetypequiz.com, but I'll go over them right now. So the first one is the teacher. If you are a teacher, part of your dharma is here to go through different lessons in this life and how you transmute those lessons is to teach them to others. So if you are someone that, you know, for example, in school, the way that you studied was to pretend you were teaching to someone else, you probably are a teacher or or if you naturally are just wanting to share on YouTube, share, share on a podcast, share on a blog, you're someone that just really loves to be in that teacher role. Well, that's part of your dharma. That's why you're here. You're here to be a transfer of knowledge. So a lot of us, and and you don't just have one Dharma archetype, you really are a combination of all of them, but in different amounts. So you for sure, Emma, have the teacher archetype in you because that's why you're here on this podcast. You write books, you offer courses, and that's the teacher within you. Is that something you always felt from the time you were a child? I don't think necessarily as a teacher. I think I always wanted to be an author. I always wanted to share words. I don't know why. I just always felt that calling. Um, But I think, yeah, I think as I grew into my adulthood, it was really that communication. I loved communicating with people and realized that everything I was going through, no matter how awful it was, even if it was sharing with a friend or sharing with when I used to work in the bank, like sharing an experience with someone, it was helping somebody. And I think that's where that kind of seed grew of, oh, okay, what I'm going through can actually help people. Mm, exactly. Yeah. And the teacher doesn't necessarily mean you want to be, you know, a teacher in front of a classroom. We can be teachers in so many different ways, whether it's being an author or even at your job, you're the person who's like teaching new people who come on board. That's still using that teacher archetype within you. So lots of us have that. So the next one is the nurturer. The nurturer is really here to care and connect. They want to dive deep with people, listen to their stories, walk them through the process to really sit and understand why someone is going through something. So a nurturer is more likely to sit and listen and ask you questions to help you get deeper into your own truth. So more of the coach, whereas a teacher per se is more here to to tell you, here to, to give you the knowledge, whereas the nurturer wants to draw whatever wisdom you have inside of you. So you know, think of Oprah as an example of a nurturer or a nurse, um, a lot of coaches, therapists, et cetera. They really want to dive deep with people. Do you feel like you have some of that? Definitely. I think teachers probably stronger, but definitely I have that where I'm always like wanting to challenge people and being like, I want to get deep with people. So absolutely. Mm, yes. And, and a lot of times nurturers too, they, they have that teacher in them, but a nurturer realizes that people really need to be held. So they are space holders. That is really what they excel at. Whereas a teacher kind of wants to be more like the person in front of the classroom, figuratively like sharing, where the nurturer might not want to be front, front stage, for example. So then the next one is the visionary. Now the visionary is really here to be a guide. They are here to inspire. They use their words. They are here to essentially be the bridge to the new paradigm. They're very big picture, future oriented. Where are we heading? So 
a visionary, for example, would give a really powerful speech of, you know, we're, we're all connected and here's where we're heading and really, really connect to people on that more of a soul level. Whereas the nurturer would be more one-on-one. What are you moving through? The teacher would be more, here's the information. Here's how I can share it. So visionary is my number one archetype for sure. And I, realized in myself, the the times when I felt the most alive, most like me, were when I was just channeling, when I was just speaking off the top of my head, as opposed to reading off of something or had planned something and was supposed to present. If I felt like I had to do something specific, like present this information this way, that was stressful for me. But when I was in that role of just being able to show up, like walk on stage or just get on a podcast and channel, that's really when my highest self comes online. And that's what the visionary is best at. Their gift are their words. So do you feel like you have a lot of that visionary? I see, I see it so much in you, for instance, like when you were saying, I was like, oh my gosh, that's absolutely Sahara. I don't know whether I do see that as much, if I'm honest. I think the nurturer and the teacher definitely I resonate with more. Whereas the visionary, Mm. I think I have a little bit in me, of course, I think we all do, but I'm not sure it's one of my main ones, if I'm honest. Yeah, love that. And, you know, going back to the Oprah example, Oprah is, you know, one of the most influential people on this earth, but she's visionary is not her main archetype. She's more of the nurturer. So when she goes on stage, she sits down in a chair next to someone and asks them questions and dives really deep. Whereas Tony Robbins definitely doesn't do that. He he's, he's more of the warrior, which we'll get onto, but So it's good to know that about yourself because we often look at one person's success and think it has to be that way. My dharma must be that because I like what they're doing. Whereas the visionary really has that specific purpose of being that channel, that clear vessel. So the next one is the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur is here to create solutions. They are really system oriented. They see, okay, what's the problem here and what's a really practical way I can create a solution. So they really care about both profit and impact. Not doesn't have to be one or the other. They really care about both. So they know if I can create a business solution, something that's here to stay, that's way more likely to solve a world problem than, um, you know, just, 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 for, for them, they wouldn't see just like giving a speech as that thing. They would want to be able to ride deep with people, go through the whole experience with them. So let's say we all wanted to protect the environment. The way that the entrepreneur would go about it is look at a specific environmental issue such as you know, plastic usage and say, okay, let's create, you know, a bamboo straw company to reduce plastic consumption in straws specifically by 200% by 2030. So the visionary might give this like motivational talk. We're all connected to earth and we all are one. The nurturer might like sit deep with people and like, how can we, how can we start at home? How can it start in our own kitchen? The teacher might be giving a presentation. The entrepreneur is creating the business solution around it. So, you know, if you watch the show Shark Tank, I don't know if you guys have it in the, in the UK or another version, but it's basically this show that people come up with these like business ideas and they pitch them. So you could see very much there the way that the entrepreneur sees living their dharma is to create something tangible, like a system, a product, a solution, and something that can move past them. For them, sustainability really matters. So we can see entrepreneurs and I mean, so many people from, from Gary V to Marie Forleo, et cetera. And it's really their businesses that are, are what they're here for. Do you recognize that in yourself? Absolutely. I think I've always been a born entrepreneur and I'm a Virgo, so I'm an earth sign. So practicality, solutions and fixing things is like my love language. So I definitely think that's there for sure. What about you? Yeah, I have that, but it's like my fourth one. So I I can step into that role, but I actually learned about myself when I was, you know, trying to get my business off the ground and really learn learning a lot about entrepreneurship and spending a lot of time on it. I was like, this is not how I want to be spending my time. This is taking me away from what I really want to do, which is more of just, you know, speaking and channeling. So that was helpful for me as feedback of, okay, it's good for me to know how to play into this role, but it's not my Dharma. So that's how we can see. It's like, it's not about only sticking to one, but it's about making sure you're okay. in in the roles that might not even feel as familiar to you. Mm-hmm. So the next one is the artist. Now the artist is 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 my third one. 
So everything the artist does is going to have an element of beauty to it from the way that they dress, their Instagram feeds, their home. They just really care about aesthetics. They care about the experience. So artists are getting a lot of information from the world around them. They're very sensitive beings. So for them, they might get really overwhelmed if they're in a a really loud place or by a lot of energies or near a lot of people because their gift is that they're picking up on all these energies. And then that can also be the shadow side of not knowing what's theirs and what they're holding on to. And for them to be their most creative channel, they really need to be on, on their own. So they're kind of like the lone wolves. They create their most, their best work when they have a lot of time to themselves. And they really just care about making the world a more beautiful place, whether it is through a song, through flowers, through you know, Instagram content, whatever it is that they do, it's not just about getting the information out there or doing the most logical thing or the most practical thing, you know? For example, I definitely have a a lot of the artists as it's my third one. So when I was creating my deck, a yogic path, I was like, I don't even care about this being profitable. I genuinely don't care. I just want this to be put on the gold foil. I need all, all of the, the, the mandalas because that to me is my highest priority. Whereas, you know, maybe someone who is like strictly entrepreneur would make a deck that was like, okay, what's the purpose of this? Where is it taking us? You know, we need to have really clear systems around this. The artist doesn't really care about that so much. It's more so about the experience and we can be both. You could be artist, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, artist, but Artist has much more of that vata air flowing energy to it, whereas the entrepreneur has much more pitta fire. Here's where we're go- where we're going to go. It's sort of like the difference between feminine and masculine energy between these two, right? The feminine want more so wants to experience it and enjoy the ride. The masculine wants to have an end point to it. So we can see the differences there. Do you relate to the artist archetype? Well, I was literally about to say before you said it about the whole masculine and feminine energy. I was like, I definitely feel when I'm more in my masculine energy that the entrepreneur rings true. Whereas when you were describing the creative, I was like, I do feel like now I'm balancing my feminine energy more that I do want to do that more. And those traits are definitely there. Maybe not as strong, but it's interesting what you say about the masculine and feminine energies. Cause I'm like, definitely when I'm in that feminine flow, I want to create yeah, I definitely think a little bit for sure. Mm, love that so much. Yeah. And we can, we can access these different archetypes within us and, and channel them for, you know, different things like your creative project, you channel more of your artists, more of your, your systems, your backend, you're going to need your entrepreneur in there. So it's a beautiful dance between them. So the next one is the researcher. The researcher is here to deeply understand things on on a soul, like not even a soul level, like a fundamental level. They, they're the type of people you share with them something online. They're going to do the research. Okay. Is this true? Is this not? I need the facts. They really care about data. They care about history. They care about research. Um, so a researcher is very curious. They have this childlike curiosity in how they see the world that they want to just deeply understand things. So their happy places like amongst their books or, or deep in a Google search just like understanding why and really going down that rabbit hole. They're the type of friend that anytime you talk to, they have done all this research around something that it's really so enlightening to have this conversation with them because they go far past the headlines. So the beauty of the researcher is most people today, they don't want to dive deep. They don't want to do the work. And some, some researchers are more focused on the past and in terms of history, and some are more focused on the future in terms of innovation, but both of them are going to approach it in the same way. So, you know, for example, Deepak Chopra is the researcher. He is someone who obviously, you know, is a spiritual teacher and an author and, what is unique about him is he wants to really understand and and bring science into it and create formulas and systems around it and show the science community that spirituality is real. And that's what his dharma is. So we can see that researcher with him kind of mixed with the visionary and teacher is really what's going to define his dharma. Do you relate to the researcher? I'll be honest, not one bit. I am someone <laughs> who hates researching Um, So yeah, Yeah. I'm definitely someone who is very intuition led, very like, I'm going to do this. So even if there was like a million studies that was like, Emma, don't do this. I'm still going to do it because I'm going to trust that intuition. So I don't think I'm very much a researcher. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. 
Totally. And it's good to know that about yourself because then if let's say you were presented with an opportunity of like, Emma, we want you to like do all of this research on, on abundance, you know, even though abundance is your topic, you're not going to be the person who's going to like be deep in the research of like, why does abundance mindset happen in some people and not others that would not be in alignment with your Dharma. So researcher is also quite masculine, but so you could see researcher is masculine internal entrepreneur is masculine external action oriented so you have an easy time in your masculine when there's action involved when you're when you're putting effort out there when you're seeing results but the part you don't want to do is more of like that really like internal that's that that more slower stuff you don't you don't see as quick of results from from research you don't get those same pings so it would be helpful for you to make sure that that's not something that you less necessarily totally avoid. For example, maybe if you did research on something that you really want to talk about, it could actually help elevate with your intuition. It's Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Cetera, but you also don't want to throw yourself in a position where you're operating from an archetype that's not true to you. Mm, absolutely. So true. And, you know, I'm definitely someone who loves doing the work. I love getting down and dirty, but also in bringing that feminine energy. in. so it's interesting. Yeah. What you say with that. I love it. What about you, G4? You're a researcher. No, I don't, I don't think that's my main one. I, I can do it. Like I can go in and do, and do the work I had to do. I mean, so much research to write idiot's guide to Ayurveda and to write eat, feel fresh because Ayurveda is, you know, an ancient health system. It's a science. It, there's not that much information out there that's in English. So I would have to like find Sanskrit texts and research them. And it was a very arduous process and I, I can get myself to do it, but I don't feel like it's in my highest alignment with my gift. So not something I'm trying to step into again. So it's, it's again, we, we get that feedback and we learn. So the next one is the entertainer. So the entertainer is really here to make people feel. They are the kind of people who come alive when they are performing, whether it's on stage, in front of a camera, in front of their friends. Oftentimes at parties, they're like the person everyone's like circled around. They're telling a hilarious story or in times of boredom, like let's say you're leaving a concert and you're stuck in your car for like four hours. They're the type of people who will take that opportunity and, you know, be entertaining, whether it's a story, a joke, karaoke, whatever else it is. So for them, they're deeply fascinated by the human psyche and they really love to understand why things are the way that they are through understanding humans. So Jim Carrey is a really great example of an entertainer. He literally morphs and shifts into other characters. And that's how he goes by understanding the world and entertainers. They know, they feel that the best way to get through to people is not to be so direct, but to actually get them through their emotions. So they're very emotion driven people. And then the shadow side of that is sometimes they can get overwhelmed by their emotions and they can also feel like they're playing a role all the time and they might not know the truth of who they are. So it's important for entertainers to also not feel like they're always having to entertain and be able to just be themselves sometimes too. 
do you feel like the entertainer? Mm, I think definitely a couple of things. Like I'm always someone who loves a good laugh, loves good karaoke and a sing song. So I think I definitely connect to that, connecting with people on the emotional level for sure. I'm wanting to like understand how things work and how people's minds work, definitely. Um, but yeah, I don't think I could like be Jim Carrey. Definitely not. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely not one of my top ones. I, I feel like it's fun for me to do. Like I love doing TikTok videos and like little skits and improv and this and that, but I've never felt like it's my dharma to like be an actor or performer in the way that some other people feel like that. So it's kind of like my, my sixth one in, in the bunch. So the next one is the activist. Now the activist is here to bring about social, political, cultural, environmental change. They are very focused on what's happening in this physical world around us and how can can we make this world a better place? They don't like to bypass the issues that we're experiencing, whether it is racism, environmental pollution, animal rights, whatever else it is, and different causes are going to depend on, you know, their unique soul contracts, et cetera. So the activist is very, very focused on creating not just a solution, but to also raise awareness. So here's the difference with the entrepreneur and the activist. The entrepreneur wants to bring about change, but profit really matters for them. It could be change because you know, you want a better ring light. Like it doesn't have to be this thing that's like really going to change the world in this way. An entrepreneur just likes to build things and likes to create different businesses. Whereas the activists might not care about business at all. Some of them are actually actively anti-business. They want to create political change. They want to, you know, have people sign petitions. They want to share things on social media, et cetera. So there's a, you know, a, a difference there. They both have that fiery pitta energy to them, but the focus is very different. So the activist is always going to be fighting for a cause. They're going to be a voice for the voiceless. They're going to be supporting the underdog. They're going to be getting into difficult conversations. And when we go through turbulent times, such as in June for the U.S. after George, George Floyd's death, you could feel the activists really coming online for a lot of people. Those who it's always been strong for were leading the conversation. And then those who maybe it was an archetype they haven't fully stepped into, they were began to assess more and more of their relationship with the activists. So we all have an activist within us, but for some people, it's the central role of who they are to be in this lifetime. And for other people, it feels totally foreign and awkward and unfamiliar, and they don't know what to say, and they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. So they probably aren't meant to be, you know, a voice, you know, a political voice if you're feeling like that, but it is important to also step into that archetype and, and see how you feel there. So this is my, you know, it kind of shifts, but around my, my fourth or fifth archetype, I, you know, as a, as a teenager, I was super activist. I went to school for international human rights law and I was the president of my Amnesty International chapter and super, super activist. But I realized a lot of that for me was rooted in, in trauma and rooted in this responsibility that I had to single-handedly save the world. And if I didn't do it, no one else would. So, um, so that wasn't, as I began to heal and realize, you know, it's not my sole responsibility to save the world, that activist became more healed. So now I can step into my activist, but I'm not resorting to it because I feel like I have to sacrifice this lifetime. How does the activist feel for you? Mm, no, that's really interesting hearing your story for sure. And it's interesting because this year I really learned a lot more about my numerology and I'm a life path 33. And in that they are the activist of like always mm. championing the underdog and giving the voiceless voices and raising, you know, awareness. And I definitely think this year, especially, you know, I've just wanted to be like, no, we can't ignore this anymore. Like use our mm. channels to you know, bring awareness to these things, have these awkward conversations. Yes, I may not always know the right thing to say, but I'm showing up and I'm bringing this information to the table and learning like we all are. So yeah, I definitely think it's there because I, I can't see people suffer. Like I just can't. And if using my voice and my platforms is going to help in some way or shift something in some way, then why wouldn't I? Mm, I love that so much. So yeah, that's an act. That's an archetype for you. That's there and I feel like hasn't seen the peak of its experience yet so I'm excited to witness that that emergence in you definitely a lot of Yay. people have said so, this 
Yeah, totally. It's, it's like, I'm, I'm here. So the last one is the warrior. Now the warrior is here to protect. They are here to really fight for the cause. So the warrior, similar to the activist, um, cares about the underdog, cares about protecting, cares about speaking up, but the warrior might not be super focused on a cause. It may just be, you know, for a fitness competition. It may be for wall street. It could be for, for anything it is that they do. They're going to bring about that warrior like energy to them. So, um, for example, Tony Robbins, like he's a motivational speaker, but he has a warrior like energy to how he, first of all, physically, how he looks, how he speaks, how he communicates, how he rallies the troops. Warriors really care about being part of a team. They really care about camaraderie. They, they care about people banding together for a cause and they don't like to be alone. They don't like to be so deep in their, their thoughts. They like to be way more in the action oriented role. So a lot of them move into the fitness space because with fitness, you can have a goal, set the goal, get there, or they move into finance, for example, very goal oriented as well, or they can move into politics or anything else. So if you think about, you know, for example, a, a police officer, right? A police officer cares about protecting. That's why they would sign up to be a police officer. And that's that warrior-like energy within them. But we can also feel the warrior in, you know, maybe a yoga teacher, a yoga teacher who's like, this yoga practice is so you can become strong and you can stand up and take this yoga practice off the mat and into the world. And that's their warrior archetype that is paired up with that. So the warrior is super, super action oriented. And the shadow side of that is sometimes they can be so quick to take action. They haven't fully thought something through and, um, often end up, you know, blindly taking action without doing all of the research. So they should pair up with the researcher archetype to, to learn more about something and then take that action. So these are the nine Dharma archetypes. Um, these are the nine I've come up with that really, to me, express what our different Dharmas can be. And again, you can take the quiz um, on dharmaarchetypequiz.com. And also I dive more into it with a full assessment. I actually dive into the chakras of each of the Dharma archetypes in my book, Discover Your Dharma, but know that you aren't just one, you are all of them. However, your top three or four will be the ones that are very deeply interconnected with your life's work. And then the maybe bottom three or four are the ones that feel foreign or unfamiliar to you. And you can do a lot of progress and work by stepping into those archetypes as well. Amazing. I love them. They're awesome. Thank you so much for sharing them. I'm sure everybody yeah. listening is like, yes, that's me. Yes, that's what I'm here to do. So let's take it a little bit of a step back then. So now we hopefully know our archetype or we're about to go on your website and find out for sure. How can we then take the steps to discover our Dharma and how do we know when we're on the right path? Yeah. So with those archetypes, it really gives us a framework that we can play off of. So knowing your archetype is going to inform you of how your energy is going to show up, how your gifts are meant to be shared. And I have the whole process that I share in the book called the Dharma Blueprint process, which is a five-step process. You can go through it in the book, but, you know, just taking those, those, let's say your top three archetypes. So for me, visionary, teacher, artist. Now thinking of what are the different ways that these archetypes can come together and, and show up in the world. So Emma, what would you say based on that? Maybe your top three or so are, I know you said entrepreneur. Mm, I would say top is probably teacher. Uh, I'm torn between nurturer and entrepreneur. And then I would say maybe, maybe both and activist. Okay. So let's, let's give them all four. So teacher, nurture, entrepreneur, and activist. So looking at how can these archetypes really come together? So, well, an entrepreneur means you probably, you know, you want to be your own boss. You want to be able to run your own business. You want, you want to be kind of able to innovate quickly. So that's going to be a definite for you. The teacher means you're probably going to want to be, your service is going to want to be information right? As opposed to necessarily a product, it might be a product, but then that teacher archetype within you won't necessarily feel fulfilled. So there's going to be some education going along in whatever this, this business is. 
Now the nurture is going to cause you to want to connect with people. So it's not about creating something that you're totally disconnected with the people you serve. You actually really want to be in communication with people. You want to be cultivating community, cultivating audience, and maybe have a chance to, to be working one-on-one with people because that nurture archetype loves to connect with people on a one-on-one or small level basis as well. So knowing that about yourself, it's not just about creating a system and peace out guys. I'm on evergreen. See you tomorrow. It's about you actually get your best ideas from working with people. So you definitely want to keep that. And then the activist is now using that and using that platform, that community, that business to share social justice issues that matter to you. And I feel like you're completely living your Dharma in doing that. Well, with what you've said, I'm like, tick, tick, tick. I'm doing that. (laughs) (laughs) you're doing your dharma girl (laughs) hell yeah so let's use yours as an example then so using your archetypes how does that play into your kind of um not career but your dharma as such yeah so i'll share an example of when it didn't and 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 how you can also see oh this isn't working so so my top ones are visionary teacher artist and then entrepreneur and then fifthly activist so for me, when I was in my early 20s, I I essentially created this, this clothing line. I was in India. I found these recycled sari materials in these factories that were being thrown away. And I came up with this idea of what if we made these pants out of the recycled sari material? And then I added an activist element to it, which was that we would donate 10% of profits to victims of sex trafficking in India. So I created this. It was called Saraswati Kator, named after the goddess of creativity. And I came back to the US and I was vending it at different music festivals. I found that if I was in person selling them, that's when it would do the best as opposed to online. So I would go every single weekend to different music festivals, set up from five in the morning, my booth and sell them individually. And every single day I would have the same conversation, maybe 200 plus times telling them what what are the pants? How much are the pants? Where can I get the pants? Can they recycle? All of the things about the pants. And at first I was super excited about this, this cause and do being able to do something. And after like a year of doing it, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I hate having the same conversation over and over again. I feel like I'm, I'm like killing myself. And I had this friend who also had a clothing line and I asked her, I was like, do you feel like so burnt out by this whole thing? She's like, no, I love doing this. Like I'm just getting started. And I was like, wow. So it's not, it's not the, the, the job necessarily. It's, it's me not feeling in alignment with it. So I really looked at if I only had a year left in, in, on this planet, you know, what would I really want to do? And for me, it was writing. I just love to write. I love to be in my creativity and just like on my laptop and channeling and letting the information flow through me. Like that is what makes me feel most alive. So I realized that I needed to, you know, end and close out everything I was doing with Saraswati Couture to focus on writing my Ayurveda book and still be able to support victims of sex trafficking, but from me in my power. So I'm still giving and donating much, much more than I ever could have if I was working that job that was not in alignment with my truth, even though it was my idea and no one forced me to do it, but I realized that it was not in alignment with my archetype. So Today, as a you know, primary being visionary, I try to set up my life so I can be in spaces like this where I can be talking and sharing and you know, leading my goddess circles and rose gold goddesses and giving presentations and using my gifts, my ability for communication. And I know, even though I have ideas often of this product would work or that product would work. I know myself, I'm not a product person and that's just not in alignment with my gifts. So that to me gave me really, really good feedback early on. And now it's a matter of continuing to listen to it because oftentimes we, we learn things about ourselves and then we get tempted. We're like, Oh, but that looks like it could make a lot of money or that looks like it, you know, could work. And every single time I've ever done something thinking that it could make a lot of money, I've ended up making no money doing it because it wasn't aligned with my Dharma. (laughs) I'm sure you've experienced it too. And, and it's not just me, like even my, my husband, when he works in the music industry. So music industry is like super, super creative and artist. but when coronavirus, you know, really kicked in, and music festivals are shutting down, he was like, okay, what should I just do for money? So he started to like 
research like masks and like selling masks and stuff. And it didn't work out. And he didn't even make money doing it because source was like, Hey, that's not in alignment with your Dharma. Don't do something just for the sake of doing it. So it actually blocked him from taking that path. But sometimes we don't listen until, until we try something for years and years and years and years and years of hardship when it doesn't have to be so. So using these archetypes can help you feel, you know, this is feeling expansive for me, or this is feeling contractive for me. And to make those pivots when you aren't so deep into something that it feels so colossal to change. Mm, I love that. Every single word I was like, yes, so true. I love it. So what has been your biggest Dharma lesson in 2020? Ooh, (laughs) you know, it's funny because when, when 2020 started, I mean, obviously I didn't know it was going to go down. I knew it was going to be a big year, um, but I channeled it to be the year of, of Durga, who's the goddess of Dharma, the goddess of courage. The go- she's, she's the warrioress. So she really slays the demons, the demons being your ego, the things that are holding you back from really operating at your fullest frequency. And God knows this was that year. Durga was full in effect. So for me, the, the biggest lesson related to my Dharma is that life is always going to throw you obstacles, but your Dharma is what you do with it. And I think that this year more than anything taught us that we can't, you know, you can plan a pretty picnic, but you can't predict the weather in the words of outcast, but what you can, what you can control is how you are going to respond. So I think a lot of us, especially at the beginning of this, of this quarantine, et cetera, we're like, okay, I'm just going to hunker down, watch a lot of Netflix the next two weeks and then get back to my life. And it's two weeks pass, a month passes, two months passes, six months passes, you know, it's going to be almost a year. Right. Mm. So it's a matter of, are you going to wait for things to just go back to how they were and for you to just like pretend that this didn't happen? Or are you going to take this opportunity as a way for you to further redefine how it is you want to show up in this world? Mm. So for, for example, for my husband, he lost his company. He, he works in the music industry. There are no more music festivals happening anytime soon. So that's sad. You know, that, that's, that's a tragedy in so many different ways. And it's an opportunity. That opportunity allowed us to see, okay, well, if your office is shutting down, we don't need to live in LA anymore. We can live anywhere in the world. Where do we want to live? Okay, let's move to Miami. We moved to Miami. That wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for that. Okay, well, you actually don't really like to work in this type of way. You prefer to work in that type of way. So let's redefine your role and do that. So I share this because obstacles are always going to show up for us. There's no way we can escape or bypass that. However, the easier that you can transmute those obstacles and see them as soul lessons, I call obstacles as your soul's unique curriculum to help you embody your dharma. So just because you were born with a dharma, it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to embody it. Mm. But it's your ability to transmute those obstacles, to use those as experiences, your soul's curriculum, the exact courses that your soul needed to give you the strength, the courage, the clarity, the conviction for you to show up as an expression of your dharma. And that's really what this year and this lifetime are all about. Amen. Say it louder for the people in the back, Sahara. (laughs) Yes, Queen. Okay, so I feel like you've covered this anyway. I feel like that last question was epic enough, but I'm going to throw this into the mix anyway. As our last question is, what is one piece of life advice that you would give my listeners? Mm. My greatest piece of life advice on the topic of Dharma specifically would be to trust that your dreams are dreaming you back. Trust that the reason that that desire is even there is because it is part of your dharma to bring it to life. You would not have an idea, a desire, or an inclination to do something that you were not equipped to do. So trust the fact that you are dreaming it means it is waiting for you to bring it to life. Yes, yes. Yes. (laughs) Couldn't Mm -hmm. have said it better myself. Well, let's talk about your brilliant new book then. So Discover Your Dharma is out now. So where can we get it and what can we expect? 
Yeah. So you can find it wherever books are sold. I have a bunch of links over on my website. I am saharrose.com slash Dharma, D-H-A-R-M-A. And I also have a little place that you could put your receipt. So you can also get exclusive bonuses from me, such as my discover your Dharma meditation, tapping journal prompts, and so much more. So head over to I am saharrose.com slash Dharma for that. And you can expect really, I my struggle when I would read a lot of spiritual books was it was like, you can do everything and you are the universe and everything is great. And then it's like, well, now what do I do? Like, where, where do I, cause I, I feel you on the Virgo cause I'm a Capricorn. So I'm like, wait, wh- how do I, how does this show up in my life? So I, I took a concept like your purpose on this planet and really broke down frameworks, actionable steps that you can do to actually move past the blocks, the limiting beliefs and set up, you know, a framework for you to be able to take action on them because it's not just about you discovering your Dharma. It's about you doing it. And it's about it becoming your life. And the thing that supports you, the thing that you get to do all day, the thing that you are compensated for. So it really takes, you know, first knowing the truth of who you are and then using your vessel as a channel, which I break down into the doshas and the chakras for you to be a channel, a vessel, a creatrix of your dharma and let your your external world be a reflection of your internal. I love it. Well, I'm sure we will all be rushing out to get a copy because this podcast has been so amazing as always. Thank you so much for coming on here again and sharing even more pearls of wisdom. And I'm sure in two more years time, you'll be back on with another handful of books and another fantastic topic to share with us. So thank you so much as always, Sahara. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. So thank you so much guys for joining me for another one of my podcast episodes. I really hope you've enjoyed Sahara and I's conversation today. As always, you can find a clickable link to Sahara's website in the description down below. And of course, if you want to find out more about myself, my coaching or anything else that I have to offer, like my books and videos, for example, you can find it all over on my website, emmamumford.co.uk. So thank you so much guys for listening. I appreciate all your views and listens. Don't forget to subscribe if you're new here because I would love, love to see you again soon. Don't forget you can join my free Law of Attraction support group over on Facebook where you can join myself and other like-minded souls where we talk all things Law of Attraction and spirituality. I hope you have a great week, whatever you're up to, and I'll see you all in my next podcast episode, which will be next week. Lots of love, guys. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.